Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Good evening, everybody. It's so great to be with you this evening. It felt a bit weird. I nearly got up after countdown because I'm used to leading these days, not preaching. So I had to glue myself into the seat. So thank you, Jesus, for making me not get up. (laughs) So I'm approaching a big milestone birthday. Sorry? (laughs) I was going to ask, is anybody else approaching a big milestone birthday? Nobody? I mean, is it just me? Wow. I'm going to be 30. I am. I, I know. I'm doing really well. I'm heading for my 30th birthday. I'm not. I'm heading for 50. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so that was the right answer. I'm heading for 50. And I'm beginning to reflect on my age and how fast time is passing. I've been alive for nearly half a century. And that feels really, really odd. Because it, it's just odd. That's all it is. And I've reflected on what my life means to date. Maybe the lives that I've impacted, not just in my ministry, but in my secular work. I work in the NHS, I've worked in the Ministry of Defence, and I've met and, you know, hoped I've touched positively many people's lives. And the people that I've served in ministry and my heart behind it. I reflect about when I became a mum and how fast my son has grown up. He's 22. I can't get over it. The day I remember that they laid him in my arms as a teeny tiny baby, he's now six foot four, 22. <laughs> yeah, I'm only he's six foot, I'm five foot three, his dad's the, the six footer. He's just graduated uni and started his first professional career. It just doesn't make sense how fast the time has gone. Do you have a bucket list? Anybody got a bucket list? Ah, that's good to know. I have a bucket list too. I've always had one, but do I actually do what I say I'm going to do on my bucket list? I'm wondering why I can't see. I have got my glasses on. Nugget. Um, I never get round to that, but why do we potentially never get round to what's on our bucket lists? Last year, I compiled a 50 things to do before I was 50. I'm not there yet. I've got seven months to go. My birthday's in March. But in all honesty, I haven't done any of them. I haven't done them because today I haven't made them a priority. Some were really big things, you know, like going on a nice big trip around my 50th birthday. Harry's birthday was delayed, his 21st, so we're off to New York in April. That's always been on my bucket list and on his, so that's one of them. And some were little things, but I've consistently put them off. Now, open water swimming is on my, my, my list, as is paddleboarding, but my lack of confidence in my ability to do these things has impacted on my decision to book the sessions, because quite simply, I've taught myself out of it. I've procrastinated. I've said, I'm going to do it. I'll do it next week, or maybe I'll do it next month, and now it's next summer. I could do it in the winter, but I'm putting it off. And so many things this year that I've put off, I've done none of it. I want to rejoin the gym. You know, I haven't been to the gym since pre-COVID. Work has just been crackers. I want to go prayer walking for this service. I want to be out on the streets. I want to encourage you guys to come with me. So we pray for Luttra Hall and the kingdom of heaven. But I haven't got around to it. I want to set up a ministry that God put on my heart years and years ago. But guess what? What's happened? 
I've not done it. Why is that? My excuse is, work is far too busy. I have a crazy bit work life. I work four days a week, but work full time. You know, I'm in church ministry. I've got a family. I've got Harry, my son. There's all sorts of things. You know, there's always something to plan for church, for a small group, for, you know, for any group that I'm running or leading. There's always something. I always make an excuse. I'm going back to uni in October. You know, I'm going to be writing uni papers again. I'm going to be studying. I'm going to be off to uni for a week, for three weeks out of the year because I work part-time. All of these things add up to the excuses of why I don't do what I say I'm going to do. So I've got all of these things that I want to do. But then I find myself in front of Netflix, eating chocolate and moaning that I've put on weight and wishing I was done the thing that I said I was going to do. And I often feel the Holy Spirit challenge me in that. Anybody else feel that challenge when you sat there? Yeah, thank you, because I know I'm not alone in this. And it's not challenge me on not ticking off my adventures on my bucket list, but how I'm spending my time. So part of the prayer and fasting campaign, I gave up television for a week for seven days. I think God asked me to do it for the full 40. There's no way I was going to do that. I'm really sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. But I did it for the full seven days. And I cannot tell you how much I got done. I had a great time with God. I went walk on walks. I studied. I got stuff sorted for work. The time was just brilliant. It just didn't feel like it was running away anymore. But you see, sometimes we can get into a rut. I can get lazy, and that impacts on me serving God and the kingdom. But we're all capable of taking the foot off the gas and making excuses. And I'm really honest in that. I make excuses all the time. Now, hear me right. Downtime and relaxation is good for the soul. It truly is. And in the Bible, it's referred to as seller. Now, seller is a Hebrew word that is interpreted as interpreted interpreted yeah a stop and listen and it's possibly a musical notation signifying that musicians should pause or take a breath how many of us truly stop to take a breath and truly pause with God to hear what he might be saying to us in the busyness of life it's frustrating isn't it we think we've always got time And we have the best of intentions to serve, go and pray with someone, join that small group. You know, I encourage you to to join uh, Rich, Rory and Sharice because they've got a great thing going. It's a ministry all of itself. Because it it is, honestly, I've I've, got to say, they're doing a grand job. You know, how are we going to step into the ministry that God is calling us to? It's the answer. I will always do it tomorrow. Let's honestly have a heart sort of conversation. Will we always just do it tomorrow? But what if tomorrow never comes? In James 4.14, it says this. There should be a slide that's going to come up. Why do you not even know what will happen? Why? Why don't we do it? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The truth of the matter is, none of us are in control of our future, nor do we know what will happen in the future. It's a really powerful image if it can come up. If it doesn't, it's not a problem of this mist that appears just for a short time and then goes. 
And as I prepared this message, God reminded me of a man whose story impacted on me as a new Christian. This man was Frank Jenner. Frank was an evangelist who found himself in Sydney, Australia after being called into active service shortly before World War II began. He had a long-term health condition, so he'd been assigned on shore duties. Frank's signature approach to evangelism was this, and it was to ask people, such a powerful thing, if you died within 24 hours, where would you be in eternity? Heaven or hell? Powerful stuff. One person who became a Christian after encountering Frank was Noel Stanton, and Noel went on to found the Jesus Army. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Jesus Army. It's a global Christian movement where they go out onto the street and reach people with the word of God. It was a very simple question for Frank to ask, but a powerful result for the kingdom of heaven. And Frank's legacy had a global impact by simply asking people that question. He lived to the age of 73, and he died in 1977. When he was alive, very few people knew of him. But after his death, when people came to his funeral and his memorial service, people started to say, wow, did he ask you that? And they were like, yeah, people from across the globe knew Jesus because of Frank and with that simple question. And this connected people far and wide across the world. Now it amazes me in society how much effort and time we spend trying to predict the future. I think we're all, we can all do that, can't we? Oh, you know, I wonder if that's going to happen, if that's going to happen. Oh, I wonder if I look at that, will that tell me what's going to happen tomorrow? That can be a horoscope, I'm coming against that. No horoscopes in the kingdom of heaven. It can't predict your future, it's a lie. If you went to a clairvoyant, if you weren't Christian, please don't if you are It is a lie. They cannot predict the future. That is not from God. I'm really passionate about that because that's my my testimony. I I spent many, many years giving lots of money to people that I thought could tell me me the future of what was going to happen. Gosh, it put me in some bad places, I tell you. The weather people provide weather forecasts. They tell us seven today and then long range for like 20 days. Newsreaders on TV make their predictions about political elections and the outcome of sporting events. And newspapers, they predict doom and gloom all the time. Does anybody else just think, oh, I just can't do this anymore. I can't look at all of this doom and gloom prediction. Yeah, it's there. It really is there, but it's not nice, is it? If we go back to James 4.14, he makes it clear to us that we cannot know the future. None of us knows for sure what will happen tomorrow, let alone what's going to happen tonight. I really hope there's going to be a move of the Spirit tonight. That is my hope in my heart, and that's God's word for you this evening. Now, I don't think my title's come up, and the title of my message tonight is, What is Driving Your Life? Now, before we get too far, let me be clear. The fact is that we cannot predict the future. We've just heard that. But it doesn't prevent us from planning. There is nothing wrong with making plans or making a spiritual bucket list. Being a good steward of our lives necessitates the making of plans. And Jesus himself advocated planning. In Luke 14, 28 to 30, there was a man getting ready to build this massive building. But Jesus stopped him and said, Down tools, 
Figure the costs to be sure that you have enough to finish the project. And it's not just about money, it's about having that spiritual drive to go and build the kingdom of God and your plan and purpose. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus in Matthew 6, 21 tells us to plan for the future by laying up treasure in heaven. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are to treasure the Lord Jesus most of all. When Jesus is our treasure, we will commit our resources, our money, our time and talents to his work in the world. So you see, James is not against planning in this verse, but he's warning us to be sure to keep God in our plans. Because I really, I've got a bit of check in my spirit right now. How many of us pray and ask for God for something, but we don't keep him in our plans? We don't keep walking with him. You know, I'm guilty of that at times. But I've learned as I've walked with Jesus and I've matured to keep him in my plans. Again, so James is not against planning, but he's warning us to be sure to keep God there, right at the centre of it all, and not delay putting off today what we think can be done tomorrow. James encourages us to be thinking and planning, and if we go back to James 4.14, if we can possibly have the slide up, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? I'm being repetitive because I want you to get that into your spirit. You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then vanishes. And James asks this very important question, again repetitive, because I believe that God wants you to get it. What is your life? His answer, you are like a mist, I know I'm being repetitive, that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Have you ever seen the Golden Gate Bridge? either in person or on, yeah, Kathy has, she was there back in May. I've been, I've visited, and had the fog that rolls into San Francisco is something to behold. Now, I do have a short video, but if it doesn't come up, it's not a problem. Just bear with us, we're having a few technical issues, but God is good. Okay, we'll carry on. So, it is a really, really foggy city. And what I wanted to show you is the Golden Gate Bridge, please don't worry about the video, it's not a problem, is the Golden Gate Bridge covered in fog and underneath it are lots and lots of little boats on the, on the river and they are going back and forth, it's speeded up, there's lots and lots of cars going across the bridge, people on their morning commute. Oh, fabulous. Thank you, Andrew. 
So as you can see, the fog was rolling over the city with lots of boats and cars. And it was just, for me, it was the busyness of life going on underneath the fog. And in San Francisco, when the sun comes up and burns through that, that, that fog, everybody's going on about their day underneath the fog. But once it's gone, nobody gives it a second thought. So I've got two questions for you this evening. What on earth are we here for? And what is the benefit of a purpose-driven life? That's your legacy. Now, one of my books to go to is The Purpose-Driven Life. I don't know if anybody's got it, but if you haven't, if you're a new Christian, a mature Christian, this is amazing. It really helps you get to grips of what God might want for you in your life. It's full of scripture, it's full of advice, and it's full of wisdom. And as I prepared the message, something that really struck me in one of the chapters, it was a chapter, What Drives Your Life. Everybody's life is driven by something. Most dictionaries define the verb to drive as to guide or to control or to direct. Whether you're driving a car or a, piece of, a nail into a piece of wood or a golf ball across the range, you are guiding, directing or controlling it at that moment. So what is the driving force in your life? because we've all got one. We've all got a driving force. Thomas Carlyle, the Scottish historian philosopher, described purpose as this. The man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a waif, a nothing, a no man. Without a purpose, we are lost. We have no anchor, we are driven by self, and we get weighted down by the stuff of life, and we run aground, and we stop. Are you the Lord of your life? Or is Jesus the Lord of your life? Right now you may be driven by a problem, a pressure, or a deadline. You might be driven by a painful memory. Yesterday I prayed for many, many women at our warrior conference, and a lot of the prayers was for breaking off of painful stuff in the past, painful memories, things that people had done and said, these words have gone deep. Is it a haunting fear that you're driven by, something that might happen, or an unconscious belief? There are hundreds of circumstances, values, and emotions that can drive your life. And if we continue to see breakthrough this year in, this, in the life of the church, we may need to make a decision to be rooted in our faith and not in our emotions or in the past. Cy brought a message about a month or so ago on um, being double-minded and James 1.6 came to me. You must believe and not doubt because one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. We can all feel complete turmoil and it's really tough, isn't it, when you're in that place, when you're in that storm. So what are you driven by? I've asked you lots of questions and I encourage you to listen back because it's a lot to take in. Are you driven by guilt? Are you running from regrets and shame, allowing the past to control your future? Are you driven by resentment and anger? Are you holding on to past hurts, causing you to never to get over the events that cause these feelings? Are you driven by fear? Your fears may be as a result of a traumatic experience or control from another person. The most repeated command in the Bible is fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, God is with you. 
Are you driven for the need for approval? Are you allowing expectations of others to control your life? There are other forces that can drive your life, but they all lead to the same dead end, unused potential, unnecessary stress, and an unfulfilled life. God does not want that for you. He wants you to be the best person that you can be for him, to lead a purpose-driven life. Ask yourself again, what is driving your life? I really feel in my spirit, and I felt this before I even got up, that there's somebody in the room that doesn't believe that God hasn't got a plan and purpose for them. Every single one of you is on this planet with a plan and a purpose for your life. Not one of you, <laughs> I really feel it, not one of you is forgotten by God. Not one of you. Ask yourself again, what is driving your life? You see, I can preach this message from a place of experience. I think any of us that stands up here can actually be really, really real and authentic, knowing that God has set us free from stuff that we preach on. I know what it is to be driven by fear. I was in abusive relationships for most of my adult life. I was fearful all the time. I was without plan. I was without purpose. I was completely controlled by these individuals. And I couldn't hear or see God in it. it the past, it used to haunt me. It used to plague me in my dreams, in my waking hours. The words that were spoken over me, it took my plan and purpose away. I used to seek the approval of others all the time. I couldn't do anything without seeking praise. I'm a bit guilty of that now, to be honest. When I stepped down from the pulpit this morning after leading the morning service, and I was walking out with Cathy, and I'm like, was that all right? And she's like, you don't need to ask me that. You don't need that approval. But that is something that's still rooted in me from the past. You know, that because I've had words spoken over me up until the age of 43, till the day that I came to know Jesus, words that were wounding, that took God's plan and purpose up until the age of 43 away from my life. But at the age of 43, I made the decision to end all doubt, all fear and silence once and for all the doubters in my life and lay my life down for Jesus and to agree wholeheartedly to follow him for all of my days and beyond. With the hope in my heart that my service to him and you will by some way have a small impact and a ripple effect in the kingdom of heaven. Now we're reminded in Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow if you do not what a day may bring. What will your legacy be? What will you be remembered for? As I look out across the room, I see many amazing, strong, beautiful Christians. I see a plan and a purpose being walked out, worked out in your life, even if I've recently met you through the conversations that I've had. God is working in your life. You've just got to be on the journey with him. Now, tomorrow we come together as a nation to mourn our late queen. Her legacy is felt globally and will be for generations to come. She was the defender of our faith, a servant queen who put her God and her heavenly king before herself for 96 years as she led and she served us. 
And a quote that beautifully sums up our servant queen is from her Christmas message in 2014. For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. He's my role model. A true example of a servant queen who served her king and modelled his values and legacy. Her mist will linger for generations to come. She will not be forgotten. And neither will you. You won't be. So what is the benefit of a purpose-driven life? It's good to have goals, but goals can disappoint us if we leave God out of them. There's no point in making plans as if God does not exist because the future is in his hands. The beginning of good planning is to ask, what would I like to be doing 10 years from now? We go back to the spiritual bucket list. What do we want to do for the next year? What do we want to do tomorrow for God? Life is short no matter how many years we live. Don't be deceived into thinking you've got lots of time to remain and to live for Christ. I don't mean this to be a depressing message. I mean it to be a message that is motivational so you will get, catch the fire of God, what God wants for you. I'm not saying that's not happening, but don't waste time. Time is short. Jesus could come back at any given time. We could be sat here, we could be driving home, going to work, and we hear the trumpet sound. And then it's like, what on earth was that? And then we see him coming on the clouds. Wow, that's going to be powerful. Are you ready? Are you going to be prepared for his coming back? Because we don't know. It could be in the next minute, the next second, or the next hour. Live for God today. Then no matter what, when your life ends, you have fulfilled God's plan and purpose for you. I've got some slides, so hopefully they'll come up. Knowing your purpose gives meaning to your life. We are made to have meaning. When life has meaning, we can bear almost anything. Without it, nothing is bearable. I'm sure we've all had seasons and times where it has felt unbearable, but then when with God, he can lift us out of it. Knowing your purpose simplifies your life. It defines what you do and what you don't do. You simply ask, does this activity help me fulfill one of God's purposes in my life? Knowing your purpose focuses your life. It concentrates your efforts and energy on what's important. And knowing your purpose motivates your life, produces passion. Nothing energizes like clear purpose. Knowing your purpose prepares you for eternity. Many people spend their lives trying to create a lasting legacy on earth. Of course, we're human. We want to be remembered for the good things we've done. We want to be seen as that great person, and you are. But you want people to remember you, and that's absolutely great and fine. You know, we're going to be going to, to Hazel's funeral and I remember this woman, for those of you who don't know her, as she had the most beautiful smile. I used to visit her in Hayward House as she was in her last days. And every time I saw her, she said, and how are you? She was at the end of her life. She'd suffered terribly. But her legacy was one of love, compassion, and care. And I'll never forget her. What matters most will not be what others say about your life. But what God says. You are not put on the earth to be remembered, you were put here to prepare for eternity. 
And as I bring the message to a close, the Bible says in Romans 14:10, remember, each of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. Now, that's not going to be a scary thing if you're in Christ, because you have a plan, you have a purpose, you are here consistently every week, you're praying, you're going to small groups, you're connecting with people, you're loving on people. What God wants to hear from you is what you did for him and for Jesus with your lives. Now, God wants us to pass this test, so he's given us some questions in advance. So when we stand before God, he'll ask you this, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you accept what Jesus did for you, and did you learn to love and trust him? I had quite a revelational drive back from Cornwall with Jesus back in April. If you've ever been to Cornwall, there's one long road in and one long road out. It goes on for hours. And I was feeling pretty down. I'd had an amazing time with my buddy Sarah from Bible College and her kids. And it was chucking it down with rain after a beautiful few days of weather. And there I was in my little mini going up the, the road up towards home. Five hours to go. And I heard God say, do you love me? Do you trust me? Don't to this day, I don't know what it means, but I said yes. We've got to keep loving him and we've got to keep trusting him. Second, he'll ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with your life? The gifts, the talents, the opportunities and resources God gave you. Did you spend them on yourself or did you use them for the purposes that God made you for? The first question will determine where you spend eternity and the second will determine what you do in eternity. Have you ever thought about that? This life does not end at our last breath. This is a scary thought, isn't it? But when we're in Christ, he's going to be ready, waiting to tell you what the next stage is. Keep going, keep learning, keep trusting, keep loving. God is good and he wants good things for us and for the kingdom. He gave us a unique plan and purpose and when fulfilled, now remember this one, take it with you, it will have a ripple effect across eternity. The church, this church, the Rock Church, it encourages fulfillment in plan and purpose. We have a growth track that helps you identify your giftings and your purpose if you've not been through it. We have an amazing set of mentors that help us and walk us through our, any questions, our life, to help us discover plan and purpose. I really do hope in a good way that this message has challenged you. And if you're not sure of your next steps, please do come and speak to Sai, to Kathy, speak to your mentor, come and have a chat with one of the leaders in the church because we're here to help you, love you, and help you determine and find your plan and purpose. Now we've got Chris and Paul here tonight who will be ready, willing, and able to pray. God wants you on a path of righteousness because you are 100% righteous. You have a gift in, you have treasure inside of you. What God wants, I truly believe from tonight, is for you to know that, that he loves you, there is a plan, there is a purpose, and you are walking with him. And we are, as a church, will walk with you. Are you going to choose a purpose-driven life or a life without purpose? Amen.